let's turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3 this morning. The book of Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 1. We're going to take five verses where John wrote to the church in Sardis. Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 1. When you arrive there, if you would please stand to honor the reading of God's word. People get nervous when they hear the book of Revelation, right? I'm not going to preach on prophecy. I'm going to preach on the strength that we need. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 says this, And unto the angel of the church at Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I shall come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy." He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, we thank you for the many blessings you've given us. God, I thank you for the privilege it is to be here, and God, I thank you for the safety that you've given us all from this this awful sickness. God, I just pray that you would continue to guard our church. God, I just pray that you would be with us in the sermon this morning. Lord, we know you've already been here in the singing and the worship. And God, we just invite the Holy Spirit to continue to work in this place. God, I pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, move me out of the way and only let me speak the words that you would have me to speak. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The book of Revelation, I, I thought about this. How many of you have ever heard of the seven churches? Anybody ever heard of that? There's seven churches in the book of Revelation, and, and Jesus is actually speaking to John here, and he's telling John to write these things down and give a message to each one of these churches. And there's several ways that you can interpret this. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about interpretation. I'm not really going to talk about any prophecy this morning, but I, I do want to talk about this, that this church is, is, is the way that God operates. He operates in two ways. The first thing that he does is he operates through the individual. See, when you get saved, when, you're, when you come to an altar and confess your sins and ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then you, then you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, the whole Holy Spirit immediately. He comes in and he takes up residence in your life. And then God operates through you. The Holy Spirit will give you commands. The Holy Spirit will give you direction and tell you where to go and what you need to do. And that's one way that God operates. He operates through the individual. But also, the other vehicle in which God operates is called the church, and particularly the local church. Now, we know that the church is this. It's not about the Free Will Baptist Church, the Southern Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, the Church of God. When I say the church, what I'm talking about here is the body of Christ. And see, what, we've, what we do, if we're not careful, is, is we get sort of divisional, don't we? 
Anybody ever seen that, that, that you, you mention the church and, and people, you know, that we automatically want to divide ourselves if we're not careful. But if you believe in the blood of Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins and that you're not going to heaven any other way but through Jesus, then we can probably worship together because we're part of the church. But then in the body of Christ, there's this wonderful thing called the local church. And that's where we're at this morning. As, as a, a group of believers, we're all here as part of the, the main body of Christ. And you as an individual, you are part of the body of Christ. But then God did this wonderful thing in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came down, he set up the local church. And each local church is different. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, you can, you can go to a Free Will Baptist church down the road just a few miles in either direction, and they may say Free Will Baptist, and we may have the same doctrine, but there, there's little differences in each one of us. And, and this week, as, as I was on vacation, I came back and I went to a, a, a denominational event. It was uh, the Master's Men. Anybody know who the Master's Men is? I went with those guys. Me and Mason went there, and I was, I was meeting guys from all over the country. I mean, they were from Missouri and, and Florida and just, just Georgia and, and even people from Alabama. I mean, they let those people out in public. And they would come out and they came to this event. And we were talking to the pastors and we were talking and, and we all basically believed the same thing. We're all free will Baptists and, and all this. I'm not preaching on the free will Baptists this morning. But they were telling me about what's going on in their churches. And, and they're a different local, local body of Christ, but they're still part of the church. And as we got to talking, I, I was talking to them and, and didn't get real deep into it, but you know what's going on where, where their church is? Same thing that's going on here. You know that? They're dealing with this, this same nasty little C word that we got going on. They're dealing with, with sin. They're dealing with worldly things. And they're dealing with all these other things that we have to deal with. And as, as I, I read this, and, and I'm going to just give you the main verse, and then I'll explain why we're going to go to the main verse. But, but as, I, as I dwelt on these things, and I talked to these, these other guys, and I thought about the situations, this verse came to my mind in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. Be watchful. And then this is the phrase right here. This is the whole message, but I won't be done, okay? But here's the message. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. He said, strengthen those things which remain. And as I got to thinking about that, we, were, we got to talking, and, 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 and I hate to keep talking about this, but, but you know, attendance is not what it, it, it was before COVID, right? Anybody notice that? And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I mean, there's people, if you need to stay home, you need to stay home. Older people that are more susceptible to it, I completely understand that. And what I found out actually this weekend or this week is that we're very blessed about the retention rate that we have here at Cookville Free Will Baptist Church. In case y'all didn't know, we're, we're staying at like 75 or 80% of our congregation came back after we shut the doors back in April for a while. And that's a real blessing. I talked to one pastor down there, and, and I said, what were you running before COVID? And he said, well, I was running, you know, somewhere around 150. And, and I said, well, we're, we were about 130, and, and now we're at like 110, 115, which is not bad. And I said, what do you have? He said, well, maybe 40 people came back. 50 people came back. 
He said, I'm doing what I can. He said, I'm, I'm recording it. I'm putting it on the internet, you know, and, and all this. And, and you know what, what, what that'll do to a pastor? And that really got me thinking about this verse is it's going to discourage that man. Now, I won't mention his name or where he's at. He's not in the state of Tennessee. But if, if, if he's not careful, he's going to look out and he's going to say, man, why is this happening? And if we're, if we're, we're not careful, see, we get, we get into the same mindset of, of our own church. And I'm talking about going back before this ever happened, before Seth Price showed up on the scene, maybe even before I was born. I think about this church and, and, and I think about the reputation that this church carries. I don't know if you remember, but last week I, I watched Brother Glenn preaching. And he stood right here in this pulpit. He stood in this exact position. And he said these words. He says, this church right here has more potential than any church in the Free Will Baptist denomination. You remember him saying that? He said that last week. And I've talked to other pastors. And, and, I, I, and people would ask me. They would say, where do you pastor? And, and they don't know who I am. I'm, I'm kind of new to the National Association. And I'm, I'm just a little blip on the radar. And they'll say, well, who are you? And I'll tell them. And, and I'll say, I pastor Cookville Free Will Baptist. And, and, and they'll automatically, they'll, they'll usually say two words. And you know what those two words are? David Crow. <laughs> That's, that, and I'm not complaining. David Crow is a great man. All right, And, and I'm, not, I'm not detracting from David Crow at all. I love that guy. And I think about David, and I think about, I think about the, the man that started this church. I believe that was Brother Carson, correct? And I think about all the great guys that have, that have got to stand here in this pulpit, on this stage, and preach to some of you same people. Some of the people that have been here from the very beginning, and some of you just got here. But, you know, if we're not careful, what we'll do is, is those guys, they, they remember all those good times, and they remember when 600 people or 500 or 400 or whatever the attendance was was just booming, and it was great. And, and, we're, and we look around now, and we think, wow, what happened? Where did everything, where did everybody go? You ever wondered that, Cecil? I mean, you've been here since the beginning. Sister Connie, I know you've been here since the beginning. You ever look around and you say, where is everybody? Well, to be honest with you, a lot of them just passed away. You know it happens, right? You don't want to see it, but, but as the years pass, people, people just go on to be with the Lord. And then some people just leave. Some people maybe, maybe they get into sin and, and they go back out into the world and they just abandon the church altogether. Maybe they go to another church. But regardless, we cannot focus on that. See, we can get in trouble doing that. We can think about how, how things were at one time and we can focus on that. And, and, and would I love for this church to run four to 600 in attendance? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're working that way very, very slowly but surely. Maybe we'll be back there one of these days. But you know what we've got right now? We've got what remains. This church at Sardis, they were a local church. They were one of seven that John was told to write to. And when he was writing to this church, he, he said this. He, and just three quick things I'll give you that the church has. Number one, they had, they had a high reputation. You look at the first verse here and you read it. And he says, I know thy works. And he says, and thou hast a name that the, thou livest. 
They thought, man, that church over there at Sardis, they are alive. Man, think about that. And, and they had a good, a high reputation. And this church has the same thing. But then the next thing they had is they had a hard reality. He goes on and it says that thou have a name that thou art livest and art dead. And then he goes on to say he talks about people not watching him and people not being ready. And even in verse 4 he talks about some, some folks that have defiled their garments. And then those are that had not defiled. They had a hard reality. You know today, the day that we live in, it's a hard reality, isn't it? I mean, life's always been hard, right? I'm finding that out more and more as an adult, that life is just hard. Life is not as fun as when I was a little kid. And even Mason's age, when I was, when I was 19 years old, you know, and, and now I have to, 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 you know, make sure I keep myself alive, my wife alive, my two kids alive. I have to pay the bills. I have to do all these things. And reality just sometimes sets in on you, and it's hard. And then not only is there your reality, but then there's also the, the environmental realities around you, things that happen that you don't want to happen, and sickness happens, and all these things happen. And we live in this, this really hard reality, And even in our church, in the spiritual sense, in the body of Christ, it's a hard reality, but it's reality that here we are. I mean, you may not want to accept it. You may not want to say, hey, I wish things were different, but they're not. And so what do we do? You ask yourself that question. Well, I've made everybody feel real bad this morning, hadn't I? Uh, if we went home right now, y'all would just y'all would probably drag your drag your head the rest of the day and say, "Man, things are are not are not what they used to be, and and times are hard, and and things are bad. They are. But I want you to understand this: we've got what's remaining, and we've got what's in front of us." And when John wrote this letter to the church at Sardis, he wrote those words in verse number 2. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. And then he adds a few more little words there. He said, that are ready to die. Oh, let me add another little, little piece of reality. We're just going to have a reality check. Churches are dying. 1,500 churches a year close their doors in the United States. That's probably went up this year. Some churches have not survived this pandemic, closed their doors. But guess what? The good news is about that, we're still alive right here. Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, we're not dead. We, there, there's still hope. I want to read you a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is a very, a very odd verse, but I think about this verse very often. Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote these words down in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 4. He says, for him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. And then he adds this. He says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. We'll read that again. Let that reality sink into you. For him that is joined to the living, that's us. We today are joined to the living. As an individual, we are joined to the living. And as a church, we are joined to the living. We are joined to the living body of Christ. 
But then he says this. He says that, that, a, that a living dog is better than a dead lion. You think about that. That's, that's an odd thing to read, isn't it? But what did Solomon mean when he read that? Well, you think about a lion and a dog. What do they have in common? Well, they're both predators, right? what a dog is a dog is a predator you may have domesticated yours and he may you know be real friendly but he's still got them sharp teeth and them little claws and and deep down into him he wants to chase something around and, and kill it and eat it that's what a dog is right and then on the other end of that you have a lion does the same thing and we all know in our minds that a lion is so much more powerful than a dog but at the end of the day if the lion is dead guess who wins the dog and we may think about what, what things used to be like. And you may think about the, the great things and, and the past and how, how things were awesome. But guess what? I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to detract from anybody. But that time is over. And we have today. And we have what's moving forward. We have what's remaining right now. And if we're still here, and last time I checked, just looking around, we're still here. Here we are. And guess what? There's hope for us. And so he writes these words. He said, strengthen those things which remain. He's talking about that holy remnant, those, those last few people at that church at Sardis that were there and that were living for God and that were doing right. He said, strengthen those people. And so I think about that. And I think about that word strengthen. And I guess you think about the opposite of the word strengthen is, or strength is weakness. Right? And, and if, I, if I had to, to, to kind of look around at a lot of what's going on, I would say that churches are weak in a lot of areas. Individuals are weak in a lot of areas. I mean, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, just get spiritually tired sometimes. I've, I've been, I get emails from, from several different organizations. And uh, I got one from the state, Tennessee State Free Will Baptist office the other day. And, and it said, uh, it was basically how to, how to strengthen your pastor in this time. I mean, me as a pastor, I've never faced anything like this before. The pastor down the road, he's never faced anything like this before. And you know, it, it burdens me that, that when I get a call... That, that somebody's in the hospital, and I can't be there. And, and my friend Avery Brown up in, up in Morgan County, he had, he had a deacon that passed away of COVID just, just this week. And he said that the, the call came, and he texted me, and he said, here I am sitting at the house and can't do nothing but pray for him. Can't go see him. And, and I said, well, brother, I guess you better pray. That's, that was my response to him. But, but not only pastors get weary, people get weary. It's not a sin to get spiritually tired. In fact, I believe if you're doing things for the Lord, sometimes you're going to get tired. Now, I've heard some great preachers that say they just have to take a break sometimes because they're, they're just exhausted. They're, it seems like their strength is gone. But John says, strengthen those things that remain. What do we have remaining? It's a good question, isn't it? You, you, think about your, you think about that. What does the church have? What, what's remaining in the church? And the, the question you should really ask yourself is not really 
what we have remaining, but what we have remaining that, that actually matters. Because there's a lot of things that, that we as individuals have and the church has that don't really matter, but there are some crucial things that do matter. And I think 1 Corinthians chapter 13 nailed it down when, when Paul was writing to the church. He, think, he said three things abide. You know what he said that they, they were? Faith, hope, and love. And I think as a church, and even as an individual Christian, if we can strengthen those things and those attributes in our life and in our church, we would be a lot better off. You know, sometimes your faith gets weak, whether you will admit it or not. Sometimes it's hard to just trust God. You know, that's the thing about faith is, is, is at the other end of faith, you know, if somebody's sick and, and you ask God to heal them and, and you, you say, I put my faith in God, there's no guarantee that that will happen. That's it. That's just what it is. And, and I'm not trying to detract from your faith. I'm going to read you a verse out of Isaiah chapter 26, or chapter 17, I'm sorry. It says, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength. You know, sometimes we forget that in faith, hope, and love, and, and we forget where our strength actually comes from. See, what I try to do sometimes is, is I try to do things on my own. Sometimes my pride gets in the way. Anybody in here ever deal with sinful pride? Anybody? And you, 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 men especially, I'll just be honest with you, are prideful creatures. If you don't believe men are prideful, just go look in the trash and there will be the instructions. Amen? We're prideful. And we want to do this on our own. You know, when we get saved, we want to live good and we, and we want to do right. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody comes and gets saved and just stands up and says, you know, I, I really don't want to succeed at this. Yeah, I'm going to do my dead level best to fail. Nobody says that, or at least I've never heard them say it. And then they'll stand up and, and they'll try to do it on their own. And they'll try to have faith on their own and, and it'll get weak. And they'll try to have hope on their own and it'll get weak. And, and then they'll try to love people on their own or, or, or love the Lord on their own. And, and that'll eventually, it'll get weak. And you get tired and you get weary. And you need strength. And you think about, well, how do you get strength? And the earthly answer is, well, you go to the gym and you lift weights, right? It's not what it's about. He says here, I'm going to read it again, Isaiah 17, 10. Because thou hast forgotten. Sometimes we forget the God of thy salvation and hast not been mindful. Look at these next words. It's, it's one back. There it is. Mindful of the rock of thy strength. You know, sometimes as Christians... We try, to, we try to lift God up, don't we? You know, and we're supposed to lift him up, you know, and praise and all that. But it seems like sometimes that we try to, we try to carry God around. 
but the rock of our strength. See, the thing about a rock is the strength in a rock is not you picking a rock up. Did you know that, right? Because that requires what? That requires your strength. What's the strength of a rock? The fact of how steady it is. The fact of of how firm the foundation of the rock is. See, what we've got to do in order to gain strength is we've got to realize that we're just going to have to stand on the rock of our salvation. That we're just going to have to put our trust in Him. And and I'll read the next verse that I have. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Our strength runs out. Our strength will will eventually, it'll just go away. You know, as you get older, your strength deteriorates, right? Anybody experiencing that right now? I I remember Cecil, just a few weeks ago, we were out working, and and Cecil had trouble with something. It's the first time I'd ever seen Cecil, uh, something got him. And he said, boy, maybe I ain't as young as I used to be. And his strength got him. And as Christians, sometimes our strength goes away. But here's the wonderful thing about trusting in God is His strength never deteriorates. His strength does not go away. It cannot go away. See, that would break the very character of God if anything about God could go away. If anything about God could, 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 if you could just take Him down one little level, then He couldn't be God. But He is God. And that's why we must trust Him with His strength and quit trying to do this on our own. You know, I could go out as as the pastor. We were talking about numbers, and numbers is not always the best way to measure the spiritual health of a church, by the way. And I could go out and I could beat on every door in Cookville and I could work myself to death until I have no more strength left. And something might happen a little bit. But listen, if God does it in His strength, then it will be done. If God moves on this church in His strength, this church will grow. This church will do better. And individuals will gain their strength back. But we're so guilty of trying to do it on our own. Trust God. I know it's hard sometimes. I get it. I understand that. I'm not saying that this is an easy thing. I'm not saying that faith is, is something that, that just, I mean, hits you and, and you've got it. It's something that you've got to practice trusting in God. But know that His strength will never fail. I'm going to read you one more verse, and, and I had to clear this one with my wife because this is the verse that, that I read at her mother's funeral. I'm going to read a verse from Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to read three. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. And a lot of you know these verses. It says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them who have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young man shall utterly fall. Here's the verse everybody knows, right? He says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
And we love that, right? We love to think about, uh, you know, flying like an eagle and, and running and not being weary and walking and not fainting. But you know how you do that sometimes? Sometimes you just have to wait on the Lord to get that strength. You know, there's some things in life that, that we're going to face and that, that, that you're gonna, that's going to hit you and you cannot handle it in your strength. You cannot do it on your own. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this. He says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Listen to these words. Listen to what he says. Sometimes you get strength after this. He says, After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I don't, I mean, we don't really know suffering, but there's suffering going on here today. There's, there's people in this church that we have no idea what they're going through, and their strength is about gone. I mean, they're, they're, they've, they've gotten to the end of their rope, and I love people that say this, and they've tied a knot in it, and they're just holding on with everything that they've got. And that, that's what they've got left in them. And the tank's about empty. And they've suffered. And now they're just waiting. And one of the hardest things you have to do as a Christian is wait sometimes. It's not easy, is it, to wait on the Lord. But if you wait, it says He will renew your strength. He'll give you the strength. And He'll give you strength above your own. He'll give you His strength. The Apostle Paul said it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, in my weakness am I made strong. Why is that? Because in our weakness, when we're at the very bottom, when we can't go anywhere but up, we have to depend on God. And I think sometimes that's what we have to do to gain strength is we just have to let go of it ourselves. You know, take our hands off the situation and turn it over to God and say, God, I'm going to wait on you to take care of this. As, as, this, as an individual, that's what we say. As a church, dealing with the local church, you know, it, we look around and we say, God, what are we going to do? And we're trying to do things on our own. Sometimes we just have to say, God, why don't you do it? Lord, I've tried it for long enough and, and we've tried this and we've tried that. God, you do something in this church. You know, we've tried, with this, with this virus thing, people are trying everything, right? I mean, they're trying every medicine they can think of. They're, they're trying as hard as they can. You know what can really take care of this? God can. That's it. Making, we, we can do our very best, but at the end of the day, the only one that can take care of this completely is God. As a church, we must trust God. As an individual, you must trust God. Put your faith in Him. Just give up and say, God, and it says that He will give power to the faint. You know, and it says your, your strength is gone. He said, but He will give it to you if you will just trust Him. And I would rather go many days on God's strength than one day on mine. I'm tired spiritually sometimes. But God gives me strength every single day. Oh, Cecil. Father, we love you. 
And Lord, I thank you for your wonderful word. And God, I just pray that as the invitation is given this morning, Lord, that this would resonate in people's hearts. Lord, nothing that I have said, but God, what your word has said. God, I hope this morning that, that we which remain right now, Lord, what, what's left of what we have, God, I just pray that you would strengthen us. And God, that you would help us, Lord, as individuals to honor you in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that, that people that are struggling this morning, people that are going through unfathomable things, and Lord, their strength's gone. Their strength is, is depleted. Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray that we could trust you as individuals and, and God as a church. Lord, I pray that we would put our trust in you. Lord, it's not about me. It's not about the leadership of the church. God, it's about you and your strength. God, we trust you this morning. And Lord, we pray that we would just stand on the rock of our salvation. And Lord, that we could just stand firm in you. In Jesus' name, amen.